really know that it's beneficial for children to not know what to do and to be bored and be annoyed that we won't play with them. I think it's really, really good for them to not know what the heck to do. No sooner does someone say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. You know, 10 minutes later, I said, gee, I noticed you're in between things. I wonder what might come next. I just keep saying that. I want them to be able to solve their own problems. And sure enough, within, you know, 10 minutes, they've moved on in their life and they're down, you know, down in the woods playing, allowing those opportunities that are hard to happen. And those moments are really important and they're powerful. That kind of like they carry on long term. Hey guys, my name is Shayla. Welcome to the Hey Shayla podcast. I went from full-time travel to full-time new COVID mom, and now I'm a mom of two. And holy wow, is motherhood and adulting a learning curve. There are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right. I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the question you think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible. We're open-minded and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hey Shayla podcast. Today, I have Aid Hoffman who left over a decade of traditional teaching experience behind when she traded fluorescent lights for sunshine. For the last six years, she has continued to rewrite the narrative of what early childhood education feels like, not only for children, but for educators too. Her philosophy for early childhood education is that living is learning and that playing is an essential right for all. She believes her purpose is to teach many educate as a, to teach as many educators as possible how to learn Sorry, I'm reading and I'm like, whenever I read these things, I feel like I'm back in second grade where it's like popcorn and I need it. I know it's terrible. This is why I don't do written stuff. I just talk. She believes her purpose is to teach as many educators as possible how to learn, lean into observation and incorporate nature into uninterrupted play. Oh my gosh. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep. I don't know. Basically, the gist is you left early childhood education, the traditional sense, and you went into play and observation mode. And this, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast and like reaching Thanks out. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to you about this because I feel like as moms, we are like, we need to play with our kids. We need to stimulate our kids. We need to make sure we need to guide them. We need to make sure they're learning things. We need to da, 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 da. So I'm like, wait, what? You're saying like, shut your mouth, sit back let them do their thing. That sounds like, that sounds like a trick or something. Like that sounds incredible. So, I promise it's not a trick. <laughs> right. But it's amazing. Okay. So let's, let's dive in. So I always like to start the podcast with first telling us about you. So tell us about you, kind of your education or your early, the experience that you had, and then kind of what caused the change. Well, um, I've been in early childhood for I think either just that or just over like two decades in and out. I left, I came back, I left, I came back. I always returned to it when I didn't know what else to do. So um, it felt easy. It felt, you know, good in my heart and all of that. And so um, once I decided that's where I wanted to be after like a million years, I decided I was living in Connecticut at the time. They had just started talking about public pre-K And so I was like, oh, that's great. On paper, I'm going to have retirement and benefits. I'm just going to go into public pre-K. So I went, I got my master's. 
And I thought I was just going to kind of check all the boxes off and do all the things that responsible adults are supposed to do. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, one of my professors showed us a video of a forest school. And I believe it was Sweden. It was a YouTube video. Cool. And these three-year-olds were like at the very, very top of these large trees and <laughs> they were very happy it was pouring rain they were giggling they were smiling they weren't nervous the teachers were calm they were driving very pleased with what was going on yeah and you know later in the video they were like building knives they were using saws I was like what is this place and I thought I had it like all figured out before that. And I went home that night and I was like, dude, I am doing this all wrong. Like these children are capable. Everything I knew about early childhood just kind of got blown up in my face, you know, because we want to keep children in a safe bubble, right? And we don't want anything bad to happen to them. And so we kind of withhold them lovingly from risk. And I that moment in time, I realized I was doing a huge disservice by saying no, or don't pick that stick up on the playground or don't run in the classroom and all of that. And I thought, okay, I have to change something. Hmm. And so I just got obsessed with the idea of forest schools and Googled the heck out of it and read whatever I could get my hands on. I found Claire Warden, um, all of her work. And I found David Sobel and all of those people. And I just, I read everything and, um, yeah, I thought that that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, how do I move to Sweden? Yeah. That, wasn't the, that wasn't in the cards for me at the time. So I decided, yeah. You know, there's got to be another way. I, you know, continued on grad school. I moved to Texas on a whim, took a, you know, decent job. It was the most money I ever was making as a teacher for the charter school. And I quickly realized that year, even, let's see, we started in August. By December, I was like, I'm out. This is not child-centered. These kids, their basic needs are being met. They're coming in hungry. They're coming in tired. They're coming oh, in wow. like needing a hug. And what's more important is like where they are on their standardized test levels. And it broke my heart and I couldn't give them what they needed. And I was like, I have to, I have to go back to that, that part that was like on fire within me when I saw yeah. that video. So I went home that night and, you know, told my partner that I was going to quit. <laughs> and we started Googling forest programs in our area. There wasn't really much in Dallas. There was something at a nature center about 45, 50 minutes from us. So I applied for like a basically volunteer job at their half day pre-K, took that and then we moved to Maine. And I kind of did the same thing, cold called a school that was up here. I was pretty revered in the, in the field. We weren't hiring. I just kept emailing her and I was like, hi, I'm looking for a job and I really want to do this. And I love children and being outside is great. <laughs> I was just like relentless. I ended up getting a job. Um, and I was there for four years and, you know, started as a low level support person and low level that's rude, but you know, entry like, level. Yeah. 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 And, um, I quickly worked up to lead pre-K teacher, then, um, early childhood chair, and then eventually co-director of the entire school. Wow. Um, and then, we closed during COVID and it's a long-winded story. We, we kind of all were like, what do we do now? We, we know how to be outside with these kids, but we don't have any kids because of COVID. Right. So we emailed all the parents and we're like, we're going to be at this nature center on these days during these times, like come if you'd like. And we ended up doing what felt now in retrospect, a, like a pilot program. Mm -hmm. And that following summer, we ended up renting the space near my current business owner or business partner's home. And that's when we opened our program in the summer of 2021. And that's what we do now. We have a homeschool support program here in Maine. And we're Wait, outside. A homeschool support program. So for homeschool kids, they get to go 
there to like socialize and be outside. Exactly. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It is. And the big kids have more of like an academic um, support piece if the the parents want to um, involve their children in that. Some people want to do their own thing. But some people are like, I want to homeschool, but I don't know what to do. I'm not a teacher. So can you just do it? Um, We're all licensed teachers. So we're able to do that um, and, you know, function and meet the needs of the individual families. For me, it's a little different because the kids are are little. They're two and a half to seven uh, in my cohort. So that's that's the story. Yeah, that's amazing. So you went from um, obviously traditional, but then you found this place in Maine got all the way up to like co what is the what was the title director 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 and then you piloted this outdoor program essentially during covid that then turned into its own that's amazing yeah it's pretty crazy when i think about it and like look back and zoom out a little bit i'm like okay that was all lined up quite nicely totally (laughs) at the time it felt like a hot mess i didn't know what the heck we were gonna do you know, I was nervous. I didn't know, you know, am I going to follow the rules? What's going to happen? Yeah. Um, and we found a way that we can create our own rules. And amazing. Amazing. I yeah. love that so much. And it's so funny. This is unrelated, but I'm listening to the universe has your back. And it literally talks about just like finding the thing that feels like mm-hmm. right. And when you find that you figure out the what, not the how. And you just start moving towards it and the how just starts happening and like universe has your back and things will just like start to flow and come and create this thing. And it sounds like exactly what happened for you. And that's the coolest because you had pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because especially because you identified that fire, like, oh, what? These kids are all the way up in these trees and like everyone's cool with that sweet literally everyone even the parents were like well it's a little you know odd but it's really great totally (laughs) and what what were some of the you referred to people that you're like oh yeah and obviously these people I have no idea who those people were when you were referring to like um so Claire Warden she's from Scotland I think she is like one of the OG school people Um, she I think she created one of the first ones like okay that Claire popping up all over Claire, Claire C-L-A-I-R-E yep okay cool and then um yeah there's like a bunch of people but she was the person that I quickly became obsessed with um, yeah because she has a horrible Scottish accent and so she's very endearing amazing I <laughs> yeah. love that so I I obviously looked through a lot of your stuff before we got on the podcast and play is like the center of it. play and observe were like the two things that were like hitting me in the face, which is good. It was very clear what, what is important. And when you say, let your kids play as opposed to what, I guess the structure, like telling them what to do, like, I'll give an example, like in in my traditional classroom, you know, we had centers. So we had different options for play. I mean, there's different trendy words that people call it now, like provocations, offerings, um, but they were like mandatory, right? If you weren't doing blocks and you had to be doing art table or mm. water table or whatever. And play is really, it's whatever. The children are following their intrinsic motivation was just that little voice inside of them. It's like, ooh, something shiny. I'm going to go there now. And like, it yeah. doesn't matter how long they're there or how long they're not there. They just right. get to listen to themselves and figure that out you know, on their own time. We have right. very right. limited transitions we have a very open schedule. Like we even have grazing snack and lunch. Um, you know, we end up sitting together pretty much at the around the same time of day with 
you know, different groups of people, but it's not like ding, 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 it's lunchtime. Right. You know, I don't think anybody sit down um, and they, it's, you know, it's very, it's very loose, um, which is scary, I think, for some people um, to not have a box to be in. But when I looked at my old schedules and saw that I had like almost three hours of transitions, uh, wow. I was like, wow. I'm robbing these children. Like, yeah. let me fix this. What can I do differently? And it was uncomfortable for me too to become a little bit more laid back and open ended. But in the end, I could see how beneficial it was for the children to just become independent and confident and start knowing their bodies and what they needed. Totally. And I guess hearing that, because that's how I am, and and I feel like I'm just like, ah, well, we're gonna do this now. We're gonna do this now. And I am constantly reminded from people that like children thrive on a schedule, Shayla. Children thrive on schedule. They thrive on knowing what's next. They thrive on knowing the next steps. And what you're saying is kind of the opposite. Yeah. Or I guess, I guess, what do you say to that? Well, I agree. I agree to an extent. I think, you know, for, I'll use my program as an example, like they know what to expect, right? They know that we're going to do Every day we do have circle, they can come or not come, but every day they're circle. Okay. They know that we're going to be outside in the morning, then we're going to go in for a little bit, and then we're going to spend the rest of the, out- the afternoon outdoors. Um, like they know the same but- thing does happen, but in those chunks of time, yeah, they have so much freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think also knowing that they have the freedom to choose all the time is something that they expect. Um, mm-hmm. which is different. Uh, they're not expecting me to tell them what to do. They're not expecting me to tell them that now you have to learn about the chickadee. Like, I, you know, I don't have to tell them what to learn. They're, they're telling themselves what they want to learn. Yeah. And when I'm going off script here, we're going outside the questions, but well, I'm just thinking like in my home, like, I don't even have like a lunchtime thing. I'm just like, oh, dang, we haven't eaten in a while. We should probably, or you've eaten too many snacks. Let's have some lunch. So, cause like what I parent similarly where I'm like, here are your boundaries, child. Yep. This is safety wise. No, mm-hmm. you can't run with that knife. That's not, I'm not right. going to let you do that. Can you right. cut with this like child knife on the table right here while I'm watching you hundred percent and like go crazy mm-hmm. and cut it 500 different ways or just smear it or whatever. I don't care, but like here are your boundaries and you can run within those. And that to me is the structure that you're explaining. And that makes sense yes. for me too, because she feels safe within there, but mm-hmm. she knows her boundaries. And when I say no, I like really mean it because when I say no, it's a safety thing. It's not a negotiable, like, I don't feel like doing that. No, we're not going to do that. It's that's a no. And she knows it and she listens to it better. I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I have found that too, where I don't have to over explain myself. Well, Oh, you know, no, because of blah, 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 blah. You know, we're constantly just in dialogue anyway, or like, oopsie forgot about our boundary, like in the woods, like I, I can't see you. And then they sing back to me, you know, like we make it playful and like, you know, yeah, um, fluid, but you're right. When you don't have to say no all the time and you become like a yes space or a yes, whoever you are, caregiver, when you say no, it, it means no, like right. there's no, like no, and, or yeah. no, but it's like, I'm sorry. I, I hear you that you really want to have that. And this feels hard, but I, I can't let you do that right now. Right. And, you know, you just end up having a very firm conversation that doesn't blur any boundaries. And I think it's that's firm and way more effective. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what you said too, I found insanely effective of like, if she's having a meltdown and it's not, she does like to know the why, but she just likes to be validated. Like she'll be oh, yeah. crying because she doesn't want to wear a hat. And I'm like, Aliyah, it's cold outside. You have to wear, why don't you want to wear your hat? And she's like, it's going to ruin my brain. And I'm like, okay, all right, we'll bring the hat in the car and then we can put it on later. Or like, I know it's going to ruin your brain, but we have to keep your ears warm or whatever. Then she's a lot more, as long as I go, oh man, this hat kind of would flatten your brain. How about I fluff it before we get out of the car or something? Like, <laughs> then she's like, okay. And it's just, all she needs to know is that I know why she's upset. Not that she, I don't care, Leah. You, you don't want to put your hat on. Don't be annoying. Let's go get your hat on. You know, like kind of saying, oh yeah, exactly what you said. That is really hard, but I still need you to do this. Yeah. And sometimes I just think so honest. I'm like, you know, it's really hard for you right now. I'm like, this is hard for me to tell you no, because I like, I like to let you explore or do whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. And I just, I own that it, it kind of sucks for both of us, but you know, <laughs> Right. But we got to do it. <laughs> yeah. We are going to take a brief break to talk about a company called Explore. I-K-S-P-L-O-R. They are a Moreno wool base layer company for kids and for women. I don't know if it's because my mom grew up in California, but I literally had no idea how to dress in the cold. So it was always miserable. I was always wearing 15 layers and always freezing. Lo and behold, that was my problem. You, you If you are a Moreno will base layer, which is an investment, but it will get you outside and you will stay warm, which is a game changer. <laughs> a Moreno wool base layer, then a fleece mid layer, then a waterproof exterior layer. That's it. That's all you need. And you'll be warm. You can go to heyshayla.com slash I-K-S-P-L-O-R pod. Hey, Shayla will give you a discount. Uh, and if a code ever doesn't work, then you can go to heyshayla.com slash codes and it will give you all the updated codes. Let's get back to the show. So then moving into like observing them because this was something like it's rye parenting. It's similar, right? Have you heard of this? Um, I only heard of it when you mentioned it. And so oh. I did a little, a little Funny. light, re a little, a little left, a little light, little right. Wow. Let me try that again. <laughs> little light reading. Uh, uh, hello. Um, so it is very similar. And, you know, I like to tell people, you know, in, in one of my courses, I go through like the different word definitions of you know, look, notice, watch, observe. And when you really dig into the definition, they, they have nothing to do with one another. Um, and when you are observing, you're really doing a lot of live action, internal reflection. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, yes, you're looking, you're seeing, you're watching, you're looking at what's going on, but you're also kind of wondering yourself like, hmm, what might she do next? with that rock she just dug up, or I wonder, can she move it from here to there without asking for help? Um, and so you're nearby, you're within, you know, eyesight and earshot, and you know, the more confident the children get in these tasks, I just take like two more steps back. Mm -hmm. um, and so the observing piece is really like, yes, you're watching, you're making sure everyone's safe and, you know, not at terrible, terrible danger, but you're really having that internal dialogue of, reminding yourself when you want to step in and interrupt the play instead of being like, Oh, I noticed that you're doing this, which mm -hmm. I used to do all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Uh, or just narrate everything. Oh, good job. Stepping up those stairs. I read that in a book one time and I was like, I am the narrator. Yes. I think we've all played that role and I still slip into it sometimes, but you know, instead I just start saying that to myself and um, wonder to myself, well, if I did step in, you know, what, 
what would happen instead or what would I say or why am I actually interrupting this? Is it because I'm worried they're going to get hurt and then I have to have a difficult conversation with their caregiver or their parent at the end of the day, why they have a bump on their head, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it ends up being most times we want to step in because of something that's happening within ourselves that have nothing to do with what the child is doing. And that, when I realized that, that happened you know, probably at the very beginning of me teaching outdoors and really honoring play, I was like, oh, wow, this is not about me. Like, this is about the children. Like, this is a sacred space. This space we share is a stage for learning. And every time I interrupt, I'm just taking that away from them. And that's mm. what I, I, I got really sad about that. <laughs> and I yeah. just kept kind of reflecting and realizing they don't, they don't need me to be there. They need me to be near but not in it with them. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, as children grow and develop over time, they go through different stages of play and they want you involved, but then slowly you just kind of slink away as they build confidence. And I had one child last year, she went home after like, I think it was the first couple of weeks of programming. And she's like, mom, you know, Adrian, she just like leaves us in the woods and she like doesn't even like know what we're doing. And I <laughs> So I like called her mother. I was like, okay, that's not what happened. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm like within eyesight and earshot so that I can step in should I need to. If something is happening that needs intervention, which is rare. Um, but, you know, I think that's the goal, right? Is to realize they don't actually need you and for them to think that you're not there. And when you take three or four steps backwards, that feels like two miles to your child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just taking a couple steps back and being like, all right, let me just see this as like a little movie. Let's see how it plays out. And if that's even hard to kind of talk to yourself, I like to just play a guessing game to see what they're going to do next and see if I'm right or wrong. Well, and you do an observation but, journal too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, um, for a long time, carried a small notebook. Well, I had them on the desk earlier, but, um, they're little right in the rain notebooks. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that, the paper? Like the no, but I watched paper. your highlights. So, yeah, yeah. So I had those I, in my back pocket and like a pencil somewhere on me. And I would write down, instead of interrupting, I would just start writing so that my body was physically doing something different. And that helped train me to not interrupt the children's play as often. Um, now I don't do that because I've been doing that for so long. It's become just second nature and I right. do the reflecting you know on my own in, in the evening or in my stories um, which I love to do but um yeah I, I write it down and that physical shift like you know the substitution had was huge it was hugely totally. helpful that makes yeah. so much sense to me because it's like what do I do with my hands? Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, I, and I interviewed the author of Balanced and Barefoot and she oh, said yay. yeah she's like grab a book <laughs> Mm -hmm. read a book while your kid is exploring around the yard, give yourself something to do. But she said that like what you're saying, at least 20 feet, she's found that that's enough for the kids to start like regulating themselves and to like stop being like, Hey, blah, blah, and trying to like get the parent involvement or the caregiver involvement. It's just like 20 feet is enough for them too far for, to get your help essentially. And to just mm -hmm. not help, but just guidance and what they should be doing. And they start doing it themselves. Right. They, they don't feel like they need to lean on you um, right. when you're that far, far away. Um, yeah, she's 100% right on that. It's funny. It just feels like so far to them, but it's really, yeah. I always say, as long as you can hear them yeah, and, or see them depending on what they're doing. Right. If they're you know engaged in risk, of course, it's a different situation, but if yeah. they're, they're not, then you can take that space. So
So I think for me and for some of the parents listening, and this is an assumption, but like, I feel like those are sometimes I'm like, I'm trying to teach her something. I'm trying to say, wow, do you see the green leaves? And that's my interruption. It doesn't have to happen. Right. But I like, I guess, what do you say to me when I'm like, well, I just want to tell her that the leaves are green. Like just, I think, yeah, that's fine. I mean, she might even be listening to you. Um, or like, you know, she might not turn to you and be like, oh yes, I see them. But I think, you know, I'm constantly just kind of talking to myself as we go through the woods, um, throughout the day. So, oh my gosh, this ice is so amazing. This pattern is so neat. There could be like no one around me, yeah. but someone could hear me in the mud kitchen and then later come to that spot and look, it might not happen in that moment, but maybe an hour later they'll come like, oh yeah, there's that ice that Adrian was talking about that you know, it's so cool looking. It's so crackly. Watch me smash it. You know, and then it just turns into something else. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, modeling, you know, just active interaction with nature uh-huh. is important. Is important. And I, I've noticed that the more of that we do is just the way that we are in the space, the more the children start to notice because right. they, they see that that's a way to be. Yeah. Um, instead of just destroying everything, which is, also just developmentally appropriate totally ripping leaves apart yeah Sad but I'm, <laughs> that's so interesting though because changing it as hey Leah, do you see these green leaves versus oh wow look at all these green leaves outside oh the sky is so blue all these clouds that's me mom just talking about what she's seeing and being observant and exactly what you're saying like modeling that observation versus Hey, look at this. Hey, 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 like with your kid. So that's super interesting because I love the idea of like whatever you are trying to teach your children, just do it yourself along oh, exactly. coexisting. Yeah. And they'll just start to pick it up. So that's a, I like that like mindset shift of just saying it and showing them that you can like observe nature versus making them observe the nature. <laughs> right. And they, and they will get it. Like they will start doing that on their own. And I think we need to be more patient and things take a long, a long time. Kids learn really quickly, but they don't really show us, I think, what we want to see as quickly as we want to see it. So we need to be a little bit more patient to let things just be. Absolutely. And I've found that with Aaliyah when ever since she was little, like she would spill something and I go, that's okay. We'll just pick it up. Well, now she's two and a half. She started to do it and it makes yeah. me so happy because I'm like, we're not going to cry over spilled milk here. It's fine. You were yeah. trying to carry an open cup into the kitchen and then you just spilled it, you know, like yeah. that's okay. We'll pick it up. And then I'll go, oh, okay. Here's a rag. Here you go. And she's like, thanks mom. And she like goes and does it because that's what we've done. We've always just said, no big deal. Let's pick it up. Yeah. But it, I mean, we've done that for a year now and now she's so to your point, like just model kind of what you're hoping to see. I like that. Yeah. And our reactions in those, in those tiny moments that feel like they don't matter, they, they do matter. It's something that I say a lot is that the little things are the big things. So mm. when, you know, they have something rumply in their boot because they have 85 layers on and they are having a hard time with that, it's important to just slow down and just take off the boot and test each layer and rub their little foot and just like it can take 15 minutes like let it take 15 minutes because if you rush them they're gonna feel like they don't matter yeah. and, and it's like, not fun anymore. and it's like why would I want to wear all this gear if I'm just a pain in the ass like totally <laughs> you yeah know? Uh, yeah 
So I think it's really important to just really lean into those moments when children do slow us down because we move so quickly and we mm -hmm. just can't help ourselves right that's the world that we live in mm -hmm. um but children are always inviting us in ways that might feel inconvenient <laughs> to slow yeah. down yeah um, and i think we should we should take that invitation sure. i love that yeah even even a response sometimes hey do you do you want some eggs for breakfast okay mom like well, I would have asked you three times already, but I've learned that I'm just supposed to listen for an answer. <laughs> eggs, right. eggs, eggs. Do you want, right. what do you want? What do, you, do you want something else? Like, right. it's never just eggs. It's the way they smell, the, yeah. you know, it's the taste, the, the way they feel in my mouth, the sound the fork makes on the plate. It's more than just eggs always. <laughs> I need to process all of the options and what those eggs are bringing. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, when we talk, because I feel like you're you're talking a lot from a um, group perspective, right? So what if I just have my two-year-old in me and now I have my baby, so she's not really playing with her, but like both, do they, they're not playing together. Do I let them both kind of just like do their thing while I do my thing? And I'm thinking about like in my living room, right? Or or when we go outside, do I just let the toddler wander and let the baby look at the sky? And I don't know. I, I guess yeah. what I'm asking is I if there's not other children. Yes, have them do what they want to do. Um, but also, again, it comes back to that modeling piece, like just checking in. And sometimes I do check in. If it's been it's been a minute and I've not seen them drink any water or I've seen them just kind of like bouncing around and I don't know, just for longer than 15, 20 minutes, just not settling. I said, geez, I noticed that you're, I'm in between things right now. Like, what are you thinking about? And, you know, just kind of have an open dialogue. It's okay to have that open dialogue. You don't have to never talk to children. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, my, my main message is to really be mindful of when you're interrupting and play because it takes them 45 minutes to really get into deep imaginative play. And that's a lot of work. It's just yeah. kind of halt because you decided, or not you, but we decided that. Now it's time to do something different. <laughs> see, yeah. And even what you're saying is like, hey, I see you're bopping around between things. What are you thinking? That's different than, hey, I see you haven't found something. Why don't you come play in this kitchen? Why don't you come do this? Or why we're getting ready for lunch. How about you stick next to me? Like you're not directing, you're just checking in with them. But yeah, like and sometimes they need ideas too, which is okay. And you can even ask, like, I see that you're in between, like you need ideas or can I help you? How can I help you with that? Or you just right. want to figure that, figure it out. And sometimes they do want to just in this weird in-between space so. yeah well and what I found with Aaliyah a lot lately is she wants to play with me I'm her puppy and she's my vet and mm. it's it's fun I actually really enjoy because I get on her level and we do eye contact and I'm like her puppy and this is something else we were gonna role play perfect that was something like um the she occasionally at daycare she's just walk right in bye mom see you later I'm I got friends to play with see ya now a couple days a couple times I don't know a couple times a month I'm leaving her and she's like crying and I'm like why are you crying this should be fun you don't want to go okay let's go home like I don't want you to be here and so now when we play puppy she drops me off at daycare she goes bye ma bye puppy going to work and I go like I'm a sad puppy and she's like mm -hmm. oh no puppy I'll be like come here give me a kiss and she'll, she'll give me a kiss yeah. and I'm still sad and then we sing Daniel Tiger grown-ups come back and we try I tr I've been trying to like model this drop off at daycare thing of like I'm sad but I know you're coming back and then I get really excited when you come back and, blah, 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 and like but sometimes 
she still wants to play puppy in, in the hospital for 45 minutes. And I'm like, my knees hurt. Uh, puppy needs to go to sleep or something and we can play this. But like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what the question is in here other than like, it's great when they do go play by themselves, but sometimes they like are aggressively wanting to play with you. So is it just a balance? Yeah, I think so. And just kind of a conversation and just saying those reminders, like, you know, I really love, I love this time that we have together, but you know, I do have this to do. Like, let's just do this for a little while or, you know, set a, whatever works for the particular child. I'm not really into timers, but like oh. some people that works for some kids. Oh, it's, um, she tells me to set the timer. I'm like, well, we should yeah. eat dinner soon. Mom, set the timer. Okay. Two right. It's because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, like a tangible, tangible chunk. And I think that's important to kind of help. Why do you say you're not into it? I don't know. I think I just have had bad experiences with, with them in yeah. like all their settings. And I, I just wait to see if the child comes up with that idea. I don't kind of put it on them. Um, yeah. Some of them use them at home. And so we can do that. I very rarely use them. Um, and part of the reason I don't like them is I really know that it's beneficial for children to not know what to do and to be bored and be annoyed that we won't play with them. I think it's really, really good for them to not know what the heck to do. Uh, with it takes, yeah, it takes a long, not a long time, but it takes a while for them to kind of figure out that it's okay. Soon, I mean, no sooner does someone say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. You know, 10 minutes later, I said, gee, I noticed you're in between things. I wonder what might come next. I just keep saying that over and over again. I don't engage or say, oh, well, let's go do, do this together. Yeah. I, I'm not their problem solver. I want them to be able to solve their own problems. And sure enough, within, you know, 10 minutes, they've moved on in their life and they're down, you know, down in the woods playing totally. cats play or something. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't need me and yeah. they really, they really don't. And so yeah. I think allowing those opportunities that are hard to happen and sometimes hard looks like crying and yelling and screaming mm -hmm. and sometimes hard just looks like you know there's one uh -huh. child she sits on a rock and just looks sad like very dramatic are you all right and what can I do to help your heart this is my sad rock oh. and she just sits there for like I don't know a couple of minutes not a long time but yeah. again for a child three minutes can feel like eternity yeah and then she gets up and she moves along so she's like in her feelings yeah. she, she decides on her own when to be done and I think that those moments are really important and they're powerful that kind of like they carry on long term yeah. um yeah that's kind of like a roundabout answer to your question but no I think it's good <laughs> Um, and I love, I love hearing opposing like timer you don't like, but cause all things are whatever works for you. Like, yeah, so I totally. love hearing like the opposition. Cause for some people, the timer, their kids probably loathe. <laughs> Mine's just like, no mom, I need to control something. Turn on the timer. I'm like, yeah, girl. And then she goes, but I've, I've noticed the same thing because I, we obviously try to do less screen time, but we've done so much screen time lately that she is like requesting it and gets really upset when I'm like, no, let's play a game. Let's do it. She's like, and she'll go, ah, and she gets angry. Mm -hmm. But then five minutes later, she's playing with her train. We've eaten breakfast. We do this, we move on. So it's like exactly what you're saying of kind of have those hard moments. If you really don't want like to watch a show or to, I don't know, whatever, and know that we'll move on. And that's like tablets in the car. I've really 
avoided that. We sit in silence in our car ride yes. to, oh, yes. but I remember doing that when I was little Me too. and I would <laughs> think of the most wild things. Like I had little, <laughs> I had little imaginary animals that would run next to the car with us. And when I would open the door, I'd leave it open a little extra long so they could all get in the car and then we'd close Sweet. the door. Yeah. And so like mm -hmm. those things are not happening if I've got a tablet in my hands. You know, exactly. and so when I see her just like looking out the window, I don't know why I'm proud of it. I'm like, yeah, you are just, we're not even, t and then, so, and then I'll feel bad. I'll be like, so we're headed to daycare. What are you going to do at daycare? Nah, 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 nah. Let's talk. <laughs> like, Or I won't. And we'll just sit there in silence. But I, I, it can be uncomfortable for parents too, to just be like, well, I should be playing with them or teaching them something or whatever. But from just doing a little bit of research with you and other stuff that I've done, it's like, no, they need that space. They need to be, they need to be bored and they need to yeah. use that time as for processing. I mean, imagine, I mean, we know what, how it is as adults. We have a very busy day and we're like, oh my gosh, you can't go to sleep at night because you don't have any time to process what just happened. Totally. So imagine a child who's, you know, developing outrageous speeds and gathering yeah. like infinite data in you know, <laughs> minutes you know I what did I read last night that they have twice the number of synapses in their brain from ages two to seven so like and they say that you know the most intelligent people have the most synapses so that makes two to seven year olds brilliant and like smartest people in the world yeah so you know they're they're working so hard all the time to like file things away and make sense of things so that quiet time um and just naming it too is just it's, it's hard for both of us and you know even when they're sad at drop off it's okay to let your body process you know how you're feeling if that yeah. means crying really hard or whacking sticks against a tree where there is no one or breaking ice with a rock then that's what you need to do like do what feels good in your body and yeah and just feel that instead of smushing it down um and so like i've had some children just say i want to go to the hammock so they go to the hammock and they just cry and the hammocks for like a couple of minutes and then they just just like we said many times today like they just are done and they move on yeah uh, so I think offering that space um to process and you know do hard things it's another thing you can do hard things you do them every day mm -hmm. um just those one of those things I just say all the time throughout the day and then it just becomes part of their way of being so yeah I love that. And, and not being like, okay, stop crying. You're done. Da, 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 da. I know it's so many things that we were conditioned for. We're like reconditioning ourselves to not, you can have feelings. Let's do it. Like that can be really hard and heavy work, but you know, right. It's worth I mean, it. People out there that are doing it with us. So yeah, I love that. Um, so then how would you recommend parents how should we play with our kids? Let them have the space and I don't know, just coexist. I would say coexist and like, you know, truly living together in those moments, you know, whether that's like, great, you can do this while I do this, or do you want to even help me do this? Yeah. Or, I'm preparing dinner. Do you want to help peel the carrots? I mean, yeah. kids use peelers all the time to carve sticks. So I can totally peel carrots. Yeah. Um, or whatever. So letting them be a part of the, the life that is happening um, that you guys are sharing, I think is really important. And, and just being open to that looking in, in ways that didn't look, but it didn't look in your own childhood. Um, yeah. I think that's hard again, but it, very important. It gives that sense of agency and independence 
And I think there's like nothing more beautiful than a three-year-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old that's just like ready to just do all the things because they know they can. They've been given opportunities to do that and they've been trusted with that. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, just keep reminding that, you know, we're all living together in said space or whatever it is in our living situations and let them have a say of what they want to do. If they want to take out the fancy red car and it's freaking raining, take it outside and see what happens. <laughs> right. We are going to take a brief break to talk about Clearly Filtered. Clearly Filtered is a water filtration system that goes under your sink. There's a pitcher. They have water bottles. They have kids' water bottles. I fill this pitcher up multiple times a day. I do it for my rice. I do it for the water I drink. I do it for coffee. I do it for the diffuser. All the things go through this filtration system. They have something on their website where you can type in your zip code and it will tell you all the things that are in your water. And that's enough right there to uh, get you to buy one. If you are interested, I have a code, Hey Shayla, or you can go to heyshayla.com slash clearlyfilteredpod. If any of my codes ever don't work, go to heyshayla.com slash codes, and it will give you the list of all the current codes. Let's get back to the show. Have you read Hunt Gather Parent? Uh, no, it's on my list. A parent recommended it to me last year. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It It's a I think it's an American, but she goes to different places in the world to observe how they parent and Mm. over and over and over. It's that you're coexisting. You Mm -hmm. are including them in things when they make the tortilla. You don't comment on how it's not supposed to be oval, how it's supposed to be a circle. You bake their tortilla. Like it's the best tortilla that is. And it just goes into the family pile. And like, thank you for, oh, you're done now okay, all right, see you later. Have a good time. And like, they get to come and go as they please, but you coexist. And I like part of when I became a parent, I like had to mourn the idea of a village. There is not this village that is supposed to like, and some people have it, but like our grandparents are still working. So they're not retired and can't come stay with me for three weeks while I have this baby. And like, I, I mean, my first was born during COVID. So there was just an extra layer of mourning, but like mm-hmm. normally you have other cousins that they're playing with. So that's how they get their playtime. They have people that are, you've got people that are cooking. You've got people that are cleaning. You've got people that are like, everyone's kind of doing everything and you get to bop around and it's a safe space for you to be in and everybody trusts everybody and whatever, but like all of those tasks are now on the parent or if the parent has a place for them to go outside like yours or daycare or like extra additional help fine but like as parents we're like I have to play with you I have to teach you manners I have to clean you I have to make sure that you're fed I have to make sure and you're like taking on all these tasks so when I read and even just hearing that like you have permission to coexist you do not have to be your child's entertainment they, and, and if you're not, they're going to go figure it out because they're going to get bored with peeling a carrot. Eventually they're going to get bored with flipping the egg. They're going to get bored. And then they're going to go try and find something else. And if that's playing with the spoon, like we don't have that many toys just because I let them take the pots and pans or I buy them little <laughs> spoons or whatever that they can just do whatever they want with. I don't care. But I feel like just hearing that is a release of pressure of like, no, you don't have to be the clown for your child. Oh my goodness. No, yeah. but <laughs> not at all. And you feel guilty sometimes. Sometimes I feel guilty. I'm like, I haven't played with her at all. I've just been like unloading the dishwasher, making dinner and working out and like, they'll, they'll tell you like, maybe not like 
in words, but they'll tell you when they, they need more one-on-one -on -one time. Like they're going to push and push and push and mm. push it to stop. So, you know, every behavior, I'm sorry about my dog. Because, oh, um, <laughs> you know, every behavior is a communication. So they're going to let you know when they, they need more one-on-one -on -one time. And, you know, I think it's hard. And I don't have my own kids, but like, it's hard to not just keep plugging your child into different chunks of the day so that mm -hmm. you can get all your work done and overscheduled children. I mean, it's just very common. And I think, again, like I mentioned before, like they're, they're going to communicate to you that they need you more mm -hmm. in some way. And it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. It doesn't have to be like a special vacation or, you know, like, you know, this huge, huge event. It can just be like, you know what? We're going to go in late today and we're going to have breakfast. Yeah. Just the two of us. Or, yeah. you know what? We're going to be for 10 minutes. Right. Or whatever, whatever that is. It could be something special in their lunchbox, like anything, like little things matter so much to kids. And I think that gets overlooked. So, you know, the big shiny mm -hmm. camps and programs and all the stuff like is so attractive to us adults because it makes us look really great and, you know, caring and attentive and involved when you know at the end of the day if your kid is in four different programs they're just they just need you um yeah. you know so and I'm glad yeah. you said that because usually what that looks like when she needs more time is aggressive whining and like being around my feet where I'm like what are you doing why let me do this what are you doing and so to hear that reframes that and I, I have trained myself that when she gets like that, that I need to like get super present with her and get on her level and be like, what is going on? But to know that like, even if you're coexisting and all of a sudden they become super clingy and like annoying or whatever to be like, okay, it is time for some one-on-one -on -one time. <laughs> like, let me pause what I'm doing and like, <laughs> give you that attention and give you that undivided because you are the most important thing to me. You are way 100%. more important than getting these dishes done or folding this laundry or like, so if I know that's sort of a trigger for like, okay. Cause that, I mean, that's my baby. My baby will coexist with me. And then all of a sudden she's like super whiny, super clean. I'm like, oh, you're hungry. You're tired. Okay. Let's right. She becomes Velcro child. Yes. And, you, know, you cannot remove her from your person. Exactly. And also I think another important piece to add to that is to revisit that moment like later and like a wine down time, you know, maybe before bed, be like, you know what, I really thank you for telling me what you needed. And it felt mm. really good to, you know, be together and do this. And, you know, just because in oh, the yeah. moment, right, it's kind of like when you try and talk to an upset child, like they're seeing red, they cannot process a single word you're saying, they cannot reason with them. And even when they're sad, it's the same thing. They're just, you know, I think acknowledging that moment later on when they're, you know, regulated is a lot that. more effective and just kind of revisiting it and sort of reframing it. Um, and it's just a positive, you know, loving way. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, going on the forest school. So we are going to an open house for forest school and I put out on my Instagram and I had a message that was like, Hey, we've seen that forest school kids, they have the freedom and they have the uh, not so scheduled things have a tougher time when going into traditional schooling. Have you heard this? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> I think for sure, if you're in a very unstructured environment and then you suddenly go to a very, very structured environment, it can certainly be challenging. 
I think that that can be adjusted over time, right? Just like if you go the opposite, if you have someone come from a traditional thing and they're like, but wait, you're not going to tell me everything to do. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Like it, it, you can adjust. We're adjustable. I think that children are very flexible. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, I have heard, and I think it's absolutely not true, but I have heard that, you know, they're not, they don't perform um, as well. They're behind or they're not doing the things that they need to be doing academically. But what I believe is happening is that they're on a path that is developmentally like time appropriate. And they're, they get into that fast forward. If you're in a traditional program, it's like you're in kindergarten, but you got to do like almost second grade work now. And it's crazy. Like kindergarten is not what it was when you and I were in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on kids. So I just, I have mixed feelings about it. I think that it's tricky because traditional schools have expectations of children that I don't believe are developmentally appropriate. And so of course it could then make it look that, you know, yeah. And readiness. I don't believe in any of that um, at all. Personally, I yeah. think that a child is ready when they're ready and they will tell you if they don't want to look at letters and numbers until they're six and a half, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have a child be absolutely authentically interested in something so that they do retain the information instead of just memorizing stuff but maybe that's a different podcast but yeah. I have heard I have heard that you know here and there but I've also heard that later on like down the road like say you have someone that goes to a forest kindergarten and again every, no program is the same they're all very different let's say you have someone that goes to forest kindergarten and then they go into regular schooling for like first and beyond I have heard that like their language and their writing skills are so rich because they've had these really beautiful, meaningful textual experiences like mm. in nature. So their vocabulary is like really developed and their writing really just incredible for a young child because they have these sensory experiences to draw from. And, you know, they're doing real things, they're using real tools and they're you know, seeing the world in a way that, you know, not, their peers really might not have had the opportunity. So I've heard a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, kind of where your values are and what's available to you, I feel like is. Yeah, I, I think it's okay too, to like have your child in a traditional program. I, you know, I would never say that they're all evil. That's like not at all the, the right. point here, but you know, if that is what works for your family, that's what works for your family. And some children thrive on that. Some children do I need did. that. Like yeah. you know, they ask for freaking worksheets and I'm like, why child? They that just, was me. They have, they have yeah. an image in their head of what they should be doing and they want to do it. So let them do it. Right. You know, it's just the same as if they want to be jumping in puddles, let them do it. It doesn't right. matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Double downing yeah. on what their interests are. 100%. And, you know, I have had this conversation with many parents who, you know, maybe are thinking about leaving our program. And I said, yeah, this is not the right fit for you. That's okay. Yeah. 100% make another, like, take another choice. That's fine. Yeah. You know your child in a way that I'll never know your child. Yeah. So I respect that. And, you know, I think you have to go with your gut. Um, you know, if you know that a different setting is going to be better and more beneficial for your child, then do it. Um, hmm. You know, yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, going on all, I like to, information and advice like this is crucial just for knowledge, I think. And then you have to figure out how it fits for you. So like, in my mind, somebody who has a limited budget can't, 
maybe you can't afford forest school, maybe stay at home, mom can't afford forest school, limited budget, then just get your kid outside and get them engaging in open-ended activities. And that's what the whole podcast with, um, the author from Balanced and Barefoot was about, she's like, put an egg crate out in the yard, put it, go to Goodwill and buy a curtain and a this, and just like, let them figure it out. So I feel like that's the most low budget option is like doing it yourself and just getting them outside and getting them to just have open-ended play where you're a little bit disconnected, maybe with other kids in the neighborhood, maybe whatever. On the other end, I have friends who are thinking about doing part-time Spanish immersion, part-time forest school. So their kids can still get the structure of it and get outside and do the forest school and the Spanish and all the things and whatever. But I feel Mm -hmm. like just taking this information and figuring out a a way that's going to work best for your family and and your interests. (laughs) There was somebody who commented on one of my videos and she's like, I put my kid in a a nature program and then I realized that I don't want to be outside for two hours in 20 degree weather. So I canceled that because that's not enjoyable for me, even though that's something that like I wanted to do. It's not something that I enjoy. So I'm not going to do it. I was like, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's important. You know, none of this is a one size fits all. Right. You can't go to any store and buy the same size jeans. It's just, that's not the way the world works. And it's the same with education. If you have to do, you know, what works for you. Um, And I think it's hard for us to be that flexible because we all really want a clean and tidy box to check off and make yeah. sure that we're doing all the right things. Yes. But none of this is clean and tidy. Early childhood is not clean and tidy. Early childhood is a hot mess all the time. So, you know, I think that's, you know, give yourself some grace and, you know, and try different things. Yeah. It's fine. And if your child is enrolled in two different programs so they can get multiple experiences, they're going to tell you if that's too much because they're going to lose, lose their mind. Right. And they're going to tell you that by the way that they're behaving and showing up with you and they might hold it together all day and then mm-hmm. just totally come undone. And totally. It's safe to do that with you because it's safe to do that with you. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and answering all these questions. I, I feel like a lot of light bulbs went off for me mm-hmm. just to kind of like permission to step back, let them kind of do their thing and, and focus on where their interests are and go in on that and to just be able to coexist. And that's okay. I think that those were my big takeaways that I really. Yeah. And really like, I think the one thing I'd like to say in addition yeah. to that is that it is not about how we feel about what they're doing. It is not about it. Like if I don't like being outside in the rain, but my kid is having a blast, right? Or buy a good raincoat and a nice pair of boots, and I'm going to be outside with them because that is what they want to do. Yes. Um, you know, kids are not miniature adults; they're not small versions of ourselves. They're our unique beings, and we need to really honor that by you know, letting their play be however it is that they want. Yeah. I love that. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much. So if anybody wants to follow you and get more information, your Instagram is nature play all day. And then you have what we talked about your observation journal, right? Yep. I have an observation, observation journal out um, you can get on Amazon. I think it's like 19 bucks, but it's got all, you know, it's got pages to write in motivational quotes. And if you're an educator, it's got like a little planning guide in there stuck like every 10 pages, I think. So you can build out provocations to support the play that you're observing. Um, yeah. So I've got that, a couple of different courses um, that you can take my mini 
mini course is really popular. It's just two days, you know, course to learn how to be a great observer. And it touches on some of the stuff we talked about today. Yeah. And that you would say that's for parents and educators? Totally. It's, yeah. I think it's applicable for anybody spending time with children. Love that. Amazing. Cool. And all of those links are in um, your Instagram bio yep, and they'll be in the show notes bio. too. Cool. cool. Otherwise it's just natureplayallday.com. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to find me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much for being on. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.